Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Joanna. And this is Growing Home Together. Caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God. And each other. Thank you for joining us today at the Growing Home Together podcast. In this season of life, Rob and I are in the thick of launching our young adult kids into the world. Our son is a young married guy. Our oldest daughter is navigating a new job and new roommates. Our middle child is in college, and our youngest daughter is starting her senior year of high school. So each of them is navigating a lot of firsts, like new jobs, relationships, bills, responsibilities, and I'm telling you, it can be a bumpy ride. Yeah, and that's why we're so excited to have Jill Savage join us today uh, to talk about parenting our kids through the transition to adulthood. Jill has an exciting book, Empty Nest, Full Life, Discovering God's Best for Your Next. She's going to help us unpack this topic today. Yes, Jill Savage is an author and a popular speaker who is passionate about encouraging families. She is the author or co-author of 14 books, including Professionalizing Motherhood, My Heart's at Home, Living with Less So Your Family Has More, No More Perfect Moms, No More Perfect Marriages with her husband, Mark, and her most recent release, Empty Nest Full Life. And she is also the host of the amazing No More Perfect podcast. So Jill has been featured on Focus on the Family and Family Life Today, and she founded the Hearts at Home organization. And like us, Jill and her husband, Mark, are the parents of five children, three who are married, two granddaughters, and one grandson, and they make their home in Illinois. So thank you, Jill, for joining us today. Thank you. It's so good to be with you guys. Yeah, thanks. So you're, you're much further down the road uh, in this letting go thing than we are. Um, so since you've launched five kids, you, uh, I believe you said, can you tell yeah. us a little more about your family and, and what led you to write this book? Yeah, well, our, um, uh, we have, uh, two daughters, three sons and, uh, four are biological. One is adopted. Um, each of their launches has looked a little different. You know, some went off to college and then got married. Others went off to college and, uh, stayed single, uh, still others, um, you know, never went to college and went right into the workforce. Um, we've had some that have been failure to launch. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yes. uh, and so, you know, really having to navigate that. We have one son that has struggled with a lot of mental health issues. And uh, we've had to navigate that as he has tried to launch, but oftentimes that's gotten in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the midst of that, um, lots of lessons learned, lots of mistakes made. And ultimately, I write all my books based upon the mistakes I make. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't we all? So, oh, my goodness. So, yes, I figure, you know what, let's, le- let's use these lessons, uh, for someone else's good. And so, uh, Amen. that's ultimately why I wrote empty nest full life, because I found that, um, you know, there were some specific things that moms and dads, uh, need to hold on to. And there are some specific things they need to let go of. And that's really kind of how I organized the book. It's what do we need to hold on to? And what do we need to let go of? Right. You know, I'm really soaking up what you've got to say in your book, Jill. 
And I love the way that you empathize with the struggle that it is to send our kids out of the house. Um, You know, honestly, I just miss seeing all their faces at breakfast every morning and sharing our day-to-day lives. Um, So what would you say um, has been the most difficult things for moms like me to let go of? Oh, I would agree. I think that um, it is hard for most of us because... I mean, yes. Do we all have days where we want to resign? Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, when, when we're raising our children, we sure, we all do. But for the most part, I think we know that it's a precious season. I think there are many elements we do love about it. Uh, I know for me, I loved the energy in my home. I loved my kids having their friends over and there just being lots of uh, laughter and uh, all of my kids, almost all of them were musical. Mm-hmm. So they'd sit down and play the piano or uh, pull out their viola or you know, uh, sit in at the piano and sing. And I miss that terribly. Yes. Uh, it, it really, those are the things that I think that, you know, catch us off guard and they're probably the thing that leaves the biggest void. Yeah, for sure. You know, in the book, you also talk about letting go of our children's problems. Uh, this season with the pandemic has definitely put us all in a unique place with our adult children. Um, I'd imagine This is true for all families. Uh, Our family, we have had two girls that have lost their jobs during the pandemic. Um, All of a sudden, they're facing financial hardships. Um, School's been canceled or or shut down. So life looks a lot different for our family um, with our adult kids. And we're moving, Mm -hmm. as they're moving back in the house and that type of thing. Right. And like you mentioned before, that can come with a lot of mental health challenges like anxiety and depression and loneliness. And so we're finding ourselves in kind of unfamiliar waters trying to parent young adult kids without moving them backwards into a place of dependency. Um, So how do you think we can keep loving our kids while we're detaching from their life problems at the same time? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, especially when you're in the, the messy middle, you know, which is what you're in. You've got kids in college. Mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden school closed down and they lost their jobs. And so that's a, that's a different situation, uh, than a child who is, uh, making poor choices is out on their own. And we want to still scoop up and fix it for them. Mm-hmm. So I think letting go of our kids' problems really has uh, is a lot more I- implications for when they're out on their own and their problems are caused by their own choices. Um, and too many parents try to fix it. Um, they try to, to swoop in and uh, that's not your job anymore. Um, but definitely while we're in this messy middle, while we're in this crazy pandemic season, I think one of the things we need to do with our kids, whether they are kind of living in our home, are they half one foot in, half one foot out? Mm -hmm. And even if they're out on their own, I do think that we need to be very perceptive about what's going on in their head and their heart, how they're doing emotionally, how Mm. they're doing spiritually. Um, you know, I think a lot of times that, 
you know, and every, every parent is different. Some are more discerning than others. Um, some are more tuned in to those kind of emotions and struggles than others. Um, but I think it's really important that, uh, especially in, in hard seasons like this, that we're checking in on our kids and how they are doing emotionally. How are you doing with this? How are you doing with the loss of your job? I mean, that's, you know, that's, there's gotta be some grief with that. And so, uh, helping our kids walk through that, that can be important for any season of life. I mean, our oldest daughter who is in her mid thirties, um, has struggled with depression for much of her late teens and adult life. And this summer has been particularly difficult for her. And so we've been doing a lot of touch and base with her. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? What's at the top? Do you feel like maybe you need to increase the amount of time you're, um, you're meeting with your counselor? Uh, you know, just being a, uh, sounding board for her and also checking in specifically to make sure that, that, you know, we know how she's doing. Right. And I think that that's good encouragement for me as a mom. I know, um, it's been so unfortunate about how many churches have been unable to meet. So all of a sudden, um, the spiritual community that a lot of our kids have had mm. to help kind of boost them up and, and walk through life with them has been kind of pulled out from under them. And so I think that does impact the relational needs that um, we're called to kind of step into as moms and dads. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And you say in, you say in your book, Parenting can be a messy process. Chuck Colson says, life isn't like a book. Life isn't logical or sensible or order, orderly. Life is a mess most of the time. And theology must be lived in the midst of this mess. <laughs> and yep. um, I thought that was really, really good. But what, what do we do as parents? Um, you know, there are a lot of us that are struggle with that tension of, of when our kids are ma- making choices um, or maybe have gone a different way in their faith or making choices we don't necessarily agree with or can't support. What do we, what do, we do in those cases? Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, I think that is probably one of the hardest parts of the empty nest. And what's really important is that we are still accepting of our kids. And I think this is the piece that most parents struggle with. Accepting doesn't mean agreeing with. Mm, Accepting means that we are accepting the reality of their circumstances, the reality of their struggles. We are accepting the reality of that and letting them know that we still love them. And, And that is a beautiful gift to give to our kids. But I think where a lot of Christian parents really get stuck is they feel like, well, if I'm accepting, if I'm not addressing this all the time, then I'm affirming that in their life. Right. And, um, your kids know where you stand. I mean, you know, I share very openly in the book, um, we have a son that is walking in homosexuality and that has been, uh, very difficult for us. And that journey of, uh, you know, walking that out, watching him, uh, make choices in his life, um, that we, uh, feel are not God's best. And that has been, um, you know, painful, on one side, um, but also very 
stretching in our faith, very stretching in putting him in God's hands. And I'll tell you what, he, he told us one time, he said, mom and dad, you guys don't agree with me, but you love me. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. It really is. And that is what we need our kids, no matter what the thing is, you know, they're living with their boyfriend or their, um, you know, whatever the thing is that, that they are making a choice and that you disagree with, they should be able to say, you disagree with me, but you love me. And that's a beautiful gift. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, God can teach us a lot ourselves. Um, as you know, as you talk about letting go, of some of the control and this, some of the different things. I know, um, our, our oldest went through some rough patches in high school and, and made some choices that were really hard, um, and affected him and affected us. And, um, but God taught me more about his love and grace Mm -hmm. and what grace should look like walking that with him. Um, then probably I would have understood if, if, you know, everything was perfect all the time, you know? Oh, so true. So true. Yep. So, so transitioning into that, cause this is, this is another hard thing as a parent letting go, but, um, you talk in your book about, um, being as now that we're, uh, parents of adult children, you're part of the keep it shut club. <laughs> can you, can you tell us what uh, the membership of this club looks like? And do we really <laughs> want to be a part of this club? <laughs> well, you are, whether you realize it or not. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yes. Well, um, you know, one of the things I talk about is that we need to let go of his opinions. And um, this is hard for us because we've leveraged our opinions in our children's lives for 18 plus years. Right. So this is difficult. Um, we know, and and honestly, we probably still know what's best for them. But when they begin to launch, we have to let them learn that on their own. Uh, my friend, uh, Brenda Yoder, who wrote a book called Fledge, um, which is kind of the precursor book to empty nest full life. So your kids are fledging as they are getting ready to leave the nest. And one of the things she talks about is, um, don't steal the struggle. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I love that because see, that's where we want to swoop in and we want to steal the struggle. Um, and it, it, what it does is it stops their growth. So, um, so this is where we've got to keep it shut. We've got to let them struggle. You know, we had one of our kids, um, that uh, got behind on car payments and the car was repossessed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, I mean, it was hard to keep our mouth shut, right. um, but they had to figure that out for themselves. So they had to, um, you know, I didn't want to steal that struggle for them. And so it's, you know, they don't, we don't need the, they don't need the, I told you so from us. So that's Mm -hmm. part of what we got to keep shut. They don't need the, you should from us. That's part of what we got to keep shut. Now, now if they ask your opinion, by all means, leverage it. Right, right. (laughs) But we're at a place where we are now an invited consultant. Mm -hmm. And if we're not invited, then we have to keep our mouth shut. Mm -hmm. And that's really what that's about. That's about letting go of opinions. And it may be silly little things too, like, 
you know, it may be things like hair color or whether you like your son with his beard or not having a beard or any of that. You know what? If he doesn't ask your opinion, you, you keep your mouth shut. That is not uh, your call anymore. Right. Yeah. One of those silly little things you're talking about came up a couple weeks ago. Um, Two of our girls are living in a new rental together and they were just not getting the trash out. And (laughs) uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on my hands so that I would not text them and remind them about trash day. And you know what? They did not get those cans out to the curb. And um, (laughs) since then, they have figured it out. But what I realized through that was more about myself, that this line between helping and controlling can become pretty blurry. And so my question that I really wanted to ask you today was, how can I discern if I'm really trying to control one of my children? Yeah. Well, one of the things is I talk about in Empty Nestful Life is letting go of idols. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is their motivation for control. Does it, are you concerned about how they're going to make you look? Um, are, are you concerned about their lack of success, um, looking poorly on you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be a place where you go, uh, that's probably control then. Um, and, uh, the other, the other place that I would say is, is our help really helping mm-hmm. or is it enabling? And that is that's huge. I ask myself that all the time as it relates to my kids. Is this really helping them? Like for a while, um, our son that struggled with the mental health issues, um, was just really struggling, uh, having a consistent place to live. Um, and so we allowed him to live with us for a little while. And, uh, I don't know, we were three, four months down the road and my husband and I had a conversation and said, is this helping him? Mm-hmm. And we, and, and we had to realize, no, it's actually not. It's enabling him to continue in, uh, patterns that are not successful. Mm-hmm. And so we had to kind of, uh, that was hard. That was really hard. We had to let go of control mm-hmm. and, um, let him kind of flounder for a little while, um, until he, uh, began to kind of get his feet under him. Yeah, we had a season like that too with our um, one of our kids who was uh, kind of in a bridge period between two life plans, and uh, she was living at home again, and it became pretty clear that that living in our basement was really becoming more of a um, hiding place from the struggles of life than than a helping place to help her get to her next thing, mm-hmm. and. Um, the way we decided to handle that with her was to start charging her rent. Mm-hmm. And we were shocked because she came back uh, shortly after that and saying that she was so grateful that we did that because that was actually expressing confidence in her, you yes. know, that she, she wasn't just a passive bystander in her own life and that um, we were viewing this as a constructive season. And, and I was shocked. I thought she would look at that as a burden, but instead um, she felt like that was actually really validating. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer. I do talk about that in the book that any child that is, um, 
if they're not in college, if they're working and they're living at home, they should be paying rent. Um, because, uh, a, you are getting them in the habit of the responsibility of paying bills. Mm-hmm. B, they are using electricity and space and, um, and they can learn that that's a part of the adult world is that you have to pay for space and electricity and all of the things that come with adulthood. So, um, it is, I, I think we do a disservice to our kids when we don't charge them rent. Now, it doesn't have to be market value, you right, know. Right. It, it, and and um, I know, you know, we like to say several of our adult kids had bungee cords on them and they <laughs> kind of came back, they left, they came right, back. Right, right. And um, like we had one daughter and her husband was in the army. And um, the year that he they had their first child, um, he was deployed, uh, mm-hmm. again, he had just been, he had come back from a deployment a year earlier and he was deployed again and the baby was only eight weeks old. And so she was like, is there any way I could live with you guys, um, during this year that he's going to be deployed? And we were like, absolutely. You know, she didn't want to live down in Texas when all of her family was in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, we were fine with that. And we worked out, um, they, she paid rent. Um, you know, I don't remember what it was, a hundred bucks a month, 200 bucks a month. I don't remember what it was, but, uh, certainly less than what she would have if she was living on her own. But she also, um, uh, mowed the yard for us. Okay. Um, you know, we live out in the country, we have a writer and, uh, she would use her little ones nap times and stay on top of the yard. So we bartered mm-hmm. some care as part of her rent as well, which I think is absolutely uh, you know, a, a great possibility for parents that have kids that haven't yet left the nest, but you're trying to help them to understand the cost of living arrangements. Right. Well, I'd love to hear more about that. I mean, we still have a grade schooler and a high schooler at home. And so of course we want to start laying some groundwork while they're still under our roof to kind of prepare them for some of those adult expenses and adult responsibilities. So what's even one thing that we could be doing right now with our high schooler to help get her ready? Well, I think that she should be paying for a portion of her, um, if she's driving, let's assume she's driving. I think she should be paying for a portion of her car insurance, her auto insurance. Okay. Um, I think that is a really, it's a great first step that lets kids know that driving is a, you know, you are becoming an adult. This is a responsibility that happens as you age, but with responsibility, um, you know, come some, uh, some cost sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we always had our kids uh, pay 25% of what it cost to add them onto our, um, car insurance. Okay. So 25%, I mean, it's not the full amount, Mm -hmm. but that gets them in the habit of saying, no, I'm, I, I have to, uh, you know, I have to contribute to this because it has a cost associated with it. So I think that's a great first step. Mm -hmm. And then as they get older, you know, you can increase that. I mean, maybe, you know, during the summer months, if they're working full time in between uh, college semesters, you can actually have them pay 75% of their, and uh, of their 
auto insurance. Then you take it back down when they go back to school because they're probably not going to be working nearly as much. Take it back down to 25%. So you're just having some conversation, but you're increasing that over time until you get to the place where they're ready to own 100% of that. Hey, that's a great idea. It is a good idea. And I think, um, I wish I would have had your book and read, read your book, you know, when my oldest was maybe in ninth or 10th grade, because you really do, you know, we, we prepare for retirement. We think of the younger years, but a lot of times we kind of just step into that transition of letting go of our adult kids, um, and try to figure it out. But it really is, uh, there's a lot to deal with it. And so with that, I wanted to just spend a couple more minutes, um, cause I loved your section on, um, how, how this season brings out some idols. Um, and one that was very, um, and you, you referenced that, but one that was very convicting to me is you said, worry is worship of our circumstances. And I thought, ouch, I'm going to have to sit with God in that one a little bit. Cause that kind of stung. Um, but I think we do, we should think through, um, and part of that letting go is thinking through, um, some of those worries and things that we're holding on to. And a lot of times our reaction to our kids are, um, not wanting to let go of those idols. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you know, I think a lot of times, um, as parents, you know, you go, isn't that my job? Isn't it my job to worry about my kids? Right. <laughs> some, right. Of us, some of us work it like a job, don't we? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, um, and I do think it's just, it is a natural response because what we want, what's best for them. But, um, man, it ties up our heart. It really does. And um, God doesn't want that. He wants us to experience freedom. And that's uh, the beautiful uh, gift of handing things over to him. And I do think the amount of worry that we struggle with is directly uh, correlated to the amount of trust we have in God. So if we have a lot of worry in our lives, maybe we don't start with turning that worry over. Maybe we start with what gets in the way of us being able to fully trust God. I think that is the place where we can begin to stop worshiping our circumstances and worshiping the one who, who can do something about those circumstances. So that's a great place to start. Um, what do I think about God? Where don't I trust him and why? You know, maybe that's in direct uh, correlation to your own earthly father. And you are, uh, you, you have the face of your earthly father on the face of God. Mm. And maybe that's not serving you well. Mm. Um, maybe it is other misconceptions that you have about God. Um, and those are a great place to start so that then you can begin to let go of the worry because you can begin to fully trust him. That's so good. That's really good. Yeah. In the second half of the book, you tell us that um, once we've been able to let go of our kids, we can actually take hold of what God has in store for us next. Um, and I was hoping you could share with us what you think that God wants to put in our hands after we've let go of our adult children. Well, you know, um, I 
based the second half of the book on Isaiah 43, 19. And it says this in the message. This is the message version, but I loved how the the words were here. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's Mm. bursting out. Don't you see it? And I like to think of the empty nest season as an encore season of life. Now, um, that, that's the music teacher in me coming out. Um, <laughs> so uh, I love musicals and I love, um, you know, the, the, the curtain comes down at the end. Everybody takes their bows and then oftentimes they break into song again and they begin what's called the encore, which means they get to go back and sing some of the favorite songs again, maybe do bits and pieces I like to say that's what happens in the empty nest season of life because like I'm still parenting. I am still parenting, but through the grandparent mm. perspective, sure. I'm still leading children. Um, you know, I just recently, um, this summer we hosted our very first, we called it cousins camp. And, um, and I, I took the, uh, oldest grandkids and, uh, they stayed with us for Uh, four days. And, you know, I just got to do the best parts of motherhood uh, as a grandmother that I enjoyed. But then the beautiful part was I got to send them home. (laughs) (laughs) I am not responsible for them day to day. So um, that was an encore for me. And every time that I have them, whether, you know, or I get to see them, uh, I get to influence them. I get to ha- experience that encore. Um, another thing that happens in the encore season of life is maybe now you have time to do something that you put on the back burner a long time ago because there just wasn't enough time. Maybe you started school and you never finished. Mm-hmm. And now is that time to uh, jump back into those things that interest you or um the, the things that you had always wanted to do. So, uh, this encore, it's like the, the curtain has come down on one part of your life, but guess what? It's come back up again. So what do you want to be part of that encore? And, uh, you know, marriage, uh, sometimes our marriage gets a little stale, uh, raising kids. And, you know, because honestly, our, our kids kind of uh, act as a buffer. Uh, we don't even realize we're just kind of doing life side by side, not face to face. And so maybe the encore season is also a season of reinvesting in your marriage, closing some gaps, uh, some distance that formed in your heart, which by the way, can ha- it, it's natural that it happens. And in those, that distance can be closed. Um, I think a lot of times we hear of couples that call it quits after the empty nest mm-hmm. and it's not necessary. I know they feel, um, they feel hopeless that it could ever be different, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you, it can be because my husband and I experienced that and, um, and we certainly have closed those gaps. That's really great. That gives us a lot to look forward to. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's the great thing about, uh, the way you, um, have kind of structured the book is, um, we can't grab onto the new things that God has for us if we're 
if our hands are clenched, right? So one of the beauties of, even though it's really hard and there's a lot of challenges and, um, and hardship, I guess, in some respects of letting things go, um, it does give us open hands to grab a hold new things that God might have for us and new things he wants to do. Um, this has been been really encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. I think it's very, very exciting um, in this this season of life. Uh, you have wisdom and experience that you can leverage in so many different ways. Um, you know, you can leverage it in, it, you know, it, maybe you don't have grandkids. and uh, But there are other children. If you loved working with children, you know, you can do that through your church. You can do that through mentoring programs. Um, you can leverage that knowledge and that experience. In fact, um, along with the Empty Nest uh, Full Life book, we created an Empty Nest Full Life journal. Mm. And uh, the journal is uh, um, available through Amazon. Okay. And um, the journal actually takes you through some questions that help you to, to really think about what you have to offer others. I think a lot of times moms get to this place and they're like, I don't even have anything to offer. Like I don't, I didn't specialize in anything or I don't, you know, what am I going to do with myself now? And, um, so one of the questions is like in parenting, I experienced blank. Therefore I understand blank. Mm. So like for me, I might say in parenting, I experienced adopting a child. Therefore I understand traumatic, uh, parenting, a, a child out of trauma or that has struggled with trauma. And then that lets me know that I have something to offer another parent who is parenting a child in trauma. So I think a lot of times we underestimate what it is that we have to offer to the world. And I created the journal to help, uh, take some of the questions that are in the book, but uh, to flesh them out a little bit more and really help uh, particularly women to understand really what they have to offer to the world and what they can leverage in this empty nest season of life. That's great. Yeah, that's good. Because you do talk uh, about kind of the new mission field you can have too. And so that that kind of helps mm-hmm. helps unpack those things and and think those things through. That's really great. Um, I know, you know, as we wrap our time up here, I know there's uh, moms and dads out there who are, who are stressed, stressed and, and maybe grieving this season of parenting. Um, can you, uh, would you mind praying for, for us and the families who are listening today, um, that God's peace would yeah. just, uh, rest on them during this time and, and he would be faithful to show them kind of the next steps of, of letting go and, and grabbing hold of what he has. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for this conversation. I thank you for every uh, person that is listening to it and um, that is going through this transition. And Lord, um, transitions are hard. Uh, We like things that we can depend upon. But I pray, Father, that in this season of transition, no matter uh, what it looks like for each listener, that we would know that while our circumstances are changing, while our family is changing, while uh, the, the, the way that we relate to our children is changing, you are not changing. 
you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And may we stand firm on that. May that give us the steadiness to navigate the changes within our family. And Father God, uh, may we be excited as uh, as your verses in uh, Isaiah said that there is something new bursting out and um, that that there is an excitement about what you have for us around the corner. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 So if you want to learn more about Jill Savage and her book, Empty Nest, Full Life, head over to jillsavage.org and visit us at growinghometogether.com and our Facebook page too um, and be on the watch for a giveaway of Jill's book. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Jill. And thank you for joining us on the Growing Home Together podcast, where we're caring for the soul of your family and growing home together with you. Bye-bye.